Good morning, everybody. I'm going to start with a story about my Aunt Fawn. When I came into AA, my dad's siblings weren't um, speaking to me um, because I'd taken my dad to a doctor uh, they didn't agree with without um, consulting with them when my dad had a major health crisis. And when I got to AA, I was very adamant about um, that I had been right and they had been wrong. And of course it appeared on my fourth and fifth step. And when we got to step eight, my sponsor just asked me, you know, if I was willing to be willing to consider one day making amends um, to these two people who had also told their family members not to speak to me. I wasn't invited to family events. Um, it was very painful, but at the same time, I was absolutely a victim of them and, uh, and really was awash in that, uh, in my mind. And then I was coming out of my home group one Tuesday night and, um, and I, I felt this rush of an awakening saying to me, you know, you've chosen this way of life. Would you rather be angry for the rest of your life at these two people just to be angry. And I was like, no. And so in that moment, I had that step eight awakening that then propelled me to be willing to go to them in step nine. So about a year, year and a half sober, I made an amends to my dad's sister, Aunt Fawn. Um, and, um, and she really wanted to spend time with me. It was not an in and out and amends. It wasn't like a bank robbery. You know, we tell sponsees, make an appointment at Starbucks, five minutes, take your script, get pray, get in, get out, call me before, call me after you're done. Right. This wasn't like that. And, um, I amended my behavior, um, and began to, to, to try to rebuild a relationship um, unbeknownst to me at that point, you know, at a year or two sober, I really continued to carry an idea of her that I had had since childhood. And, um, but, but I started to show up for her, like when her husband was dying of, um, agent orange, the, when I was graduating from grad school, I would go to her home and I would sit by his bedside and I would be present, um, I would call, I would show up. So I was taking the actions that we take as part of a living amends after a direct amends. And then one day I was uh, visiting her. She lives an hour and a half from me. I'm sorry. She lived an hour and a half from me. And um, one of her best friends who's known me since I was a toddler, because all of the women in her church, um, I went to Bible vacation Bible school every summer at her church, came in and said, oh, Kate's an immigration lawyer. We should tell her about so-and-so. And my aunt looks at me and she's like, we have a woman in our church who can't go to the Bible study that we're doing out of town because she's afraid to leave um, this town for fear of what could happen to her. And so I was like, hmm, well, I'd be happy to talk to her. And so in the church library of the church that I went to vacation Bible school in since I was a toddler, I did a, a consultation with this young woman and um, she became a client that the, the community center I work for, we, um, we took her on as a client and um, 
I came to see that the people in this church that I'd also kind of assigned an identity um, based on my old ideas, um, they took me to lunch and they were like, whatever it costs, we don't care because this young woman was a single mother of four kids in an abusive situation and didn't have any money. And I explained to them like, oh, my, my services, I don't have to charge for, there are going to be fees that are charged by the government, but not for me. And I just had this moment of going all these years after that amends, I thought I knew who these people were and I believed it. And I kept telling myself it was true and it's not who they were. And, um, the years have passed and, um, um, unfortunately my aunt was diagnosed, um, and died very quickly of COVID, um, a couple, um, a year and a half ago. And, um, and my, this young woman who became my client was, uh, at the funeral as were her, her four children bawling and she's still my client today. And I start with that story for a couple of reasons. One of them is because I had no idea what God was going to do with that amends. It was really uncomfortable. Um, I still felt wronged, but I was willing to be free because I felt like God was telling me I, I should make it right. And I really did want my family back, but I maintained this idea about who they were that wasn't really true. And then it turned out that God used something in my life to be useful to them that wasn't on my agenda. And then we got to come together. Um, I also felt an intuition when my aunt was in the COVID ward um, to take my drive to take my dad, drive three hours to my dad, and then three hours to the hospital in Austin in case she didn't make it. And of course, we all believed she was going to make it. Um and I got to stand outside the closed ward and the glass doors. Right. And, um, and he got to have that with her. And so when we make a decision to make amends, we're beginning, not just a new relationship, but we are saying yes to God in a huge way. And, um, I can't believe she's gone. I can't believe she's gone, but I also can't believe what God did with us. And um, now Elizabeth's going to talk a little bit about the big book. Thank you, Kate. That was beautiful. Um, on page 77 in the ninth step, it tells us what our real purpose is, which is, I feel like the story that Kate just described. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. For me, I had to realize that I don't know what my purpose is and I don't know how to fit myself other than by doing these disciplines, because anytime I think I know more than just practicing the principles, the spiritual principles that we've been going over week after week, and we'll continue till we get to the 12th one. Um, what that does is it clears the channel so that God can come through. And like Kate shared, it's like this long story of, you know, here she is at the beginning when she first thought of had this amends in the beginning of recovery. And then all these years later, how God was using that amend Kate and the people in the story and doing all these things and 
you had no idea, right? You you didn't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, I have no idea what God's doing when he's doing it. All I have to do is be open um, and willing. And we talked last week about the eighth step and the preparation to get willing. Now we're at the execution step. I'm ready to act, right? I'm, and, and again, we bring the list into our morning routine. God guides and directs us to who's next. We have a script. Um, we review it with our sponsor and then, or another alcoholic, right? We review it with somebody. In the 12 and 12, it talks about we review it with a sponsor or a spiritual advisor. We review it with somebody. We don't just do it in a vacuum in our own head. Um, and then I made a list of all the attitudes that it says we need. I pulled pulled it from the 12 step, the 12 and 12, and also in the big book. So on page 77, it says that we need a sincere desire. So this is just like a checklist for myself. If I think I'm ready to make an amends, do I have these attitudes? Do I feel this way or not? Um, page 77, a sincere desire to set right or wrong. Do I have a sincere desire or am I doing it just to get it done? Check it off a list, right? And just being honest with myself. And again, bringing that into my morning routine. Um, page 77 also says we have to have tact, common sense helpful and forgiving spirit. And then we need to be, when we actually go do the amends, we need to be calm, frank, and open, right? We're not over emotional or we've already done so much preparation in step eight and then brought that to a sponsor and um, fine tune those harms that hopefully when we get there, I mean, a lot of amends in my experience are emotional you know they there's emotions that come but I'm not going in there all dramatic like it's about me I'm really clear on what I did to harm this person and that I have a sincere desire to set it right to set this relationship right um then in the big book on page 70 it starts on page 70 77. It goes through the different types of encounters we may encounter. We're not, I'm not going to go through all of them, um, but it talks about, actually on page 78, it talks about money. What do we do with money? Then it goes into criminal acts. What if we have a criminal act? And it gives us some guidelines. Um, it talks after that about consent from others. So like if we've done something that is a, a criminal or that's going to affect other people, we get consent. We have conversations. And again, for me, everything was guided through a, another member in Alcoholics Anonymous, my sponsor, because my sponsor and the reason that I went to only a sponsor is because my sponsor is the one that actually has walked through this experience and, and understands, you know, the mission that I'm on, right? Whereas people outside of recovery, you know, may or may not, it's hard. It's like trying to, to tell somebody who's not an alcoholic what an alcoholic's like or an Al-Anon or, or a compulsive eater. It's just, there's something missed, lost in translation. And so for me, it was really important to go to somebody that had already walked through these amends. And then my sponsor and 
And the way that I do it with women I work with is if I don't have that direct experience, I'll, I'll ask them to talk to other women. Maybe I have another sponsee that's gone through something that I haven't gone through, or um, I'll just ask them to start asking around, start talking to women and ask them, did you have an amends like this? Just to get some experience, strength and hope. And then they bring that back and we talk about that and we look at their script again. So the preparation that goes into eight is so deep that by the time we get to nine and God nudges us in the morning or during the day or whenever, like, okay, it's time. It's, you know, it doesn't mean we won't be afraid because there have been many amends that I have been terrified to do. Um, but I remember I, two of them specifically, one of them my sponsor did with me <laughs> and it was money. I skipped out on a check at a diner on the Upper West Side, me and a bunch of people. And we just like, we're drunk and, you know, it was middle of the night, whatever we ate. And then we all ran. And so I was terrified to go to that diner years later. And my sponsor, Peggy said, well, I will come with you. And so I remember us walking up to the diner and I had, we calculated the money with the, the, the you know, of course I'm now paying the whole bill, not just my portion, I'm paying the whole bill plus interest over the 10 years or whatever, 20, 50, I don't even know how many years, um, inflation price, you know, she calculated it up and, um, I'm going over there and she's got to, we got to the diner and she said, okay, go ahead. And I'm like, alone. <laughs> she's like, yeah, you're ready. You could do this. And so I went in and I made the amends and the, the diner had changed hands. Are you sure? You know, oh, well, you don't really need, you know, it's, it's okay. Thank you. We appreciate the amend. But um, I said, well, you know, I just wanted to give the money back to the establishment because um, it's, it's not mine. And, and he, she, he, the guy was like, you don't, you don't have to do that. And I go, he goes, but if you want to, it's fine. And I go, well, the money's not mine. So here you go. And I gave him the money and that was it. And then another one was um, one of my first amends. And it was the amends that I made to the woman who I was had had a relationship with. And also she was the one that I called with my, you know, attempted suicide, like final, tell my mom I love her kind of thing. She was the one that called the police the next day and had the New York City police come to my apartment. And um, it was to her. And I was terrified to make that amends. And I remember I was standing at the lipstick building in Manhattan on the east side and I couldn't do it. She was across the street in the Barnes and Noble, it's a double Barnes and Noble, big bookstore, coffee shop. And she was in the coffee shop and I was set to meet her. And I hadn't seen her in a, quite a number of years. And I remember calling my sponsor and my sponsor wasn't available. So I called one of my sober sisters. And all I remember was just talk about over emotional. I mean, I just was crying. I'm like, I can't do this. And I remember my sober sister, Liz, she was like, you can do this, Elizabeth. She's like, you take that script out. You read that script. And whatever she said, she talked to me for a while and she just gave me this she just gave me the faith, the courage, the hope. She like let me borrow all her juice, her energy. And I, I got off the phone with her and I walked across the street and I sat down with this woman. And 
I read my script and I read it. I just read it because I wanted more for it to just to really, I wanted to capture and be clear on, on how I harmed this, this woman. And um, at the end of the script, when I say, I ask if there's anything I've left out and I just listen. And then at the end, I ask, how can I make it right? And when I said, how can I make it right? She just looked at me and said, you just did. And that was just like layers of stuff, just ah. so um, that was two powerful examples of my amends. And now um, I'm going to bring it back over to Kate to talk about the tornado. <laughs> yeah. On page 82, it talks in our book, and we hear this quoted a lot in meetings, right? Is the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. And when I think about what this means in the context of the ninth step, like why is it here in the book versus like the third step, you know, where we are with the actor? Why is it here? And what this means to me today is I'm a tornado or I was a tornado in the lives of people because I wasn't present. I was not available. I was driven by self and was totally blind to being in the world completely differently than other people. So when I'm living by my mind, I'm not practicing spiritual principles. When I'm living by my mind, I'm not even living. And so when we talked at the beginning about in our first step about when I drink, I have a completely different experience physically, mentally, spiritually than other people who drink alcohol. There is something different happening. And when I read the big book with a sponsor, that was a completely new idea to me. And in the ninth step, I feel like we've really come to see it is exactly the same in my relationships. The way that I had relationships with people before I get to the ninth step was mentally, physically, and spiritually different than the way other people are having relationships. I'm the center and I'm blowing from one place to the next. Can you meet my need? Can you give me what I want now, 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 and then I'm gone. And I've left whatever I've left in my wake. And I also love how on page, um, the top of page 79, it's written, all these reparations take innumerable forms, which, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about living. We've talked a little bit about living amends. We're going to talk about something in my home group, we call amends by substitution when we can't make a direct amends. Like let's say I stole money from a company or I stole items from a store and the store is not there anymore. How do I make that amends? Um, and Elizabeth and I've both talked about some direct amends that we've made. It says there are some general principles, which we find guiding, and we're always going to bump on that word principle. Reminding ourselves again, the book says, We've decided to go to any lengths for a spiritual experience. And we ask, so we pray that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. And then, you know, on page 77, it's told us at the bottom, under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. 
And then it also tells us that we're not to bow or scrape before anyone. So that's a perfect example of we're no longer living in the extremes of a tornado, right? I'm not criticizing you, but I'm also not the dirt under your feet because I'm sitting here telling you I was selfish when I didn't show up when I said I would. I was inconsiderate when I told you I'd plan your birthday party and then didn't, right? Like I don't have to be trash, but I also don't need to make you bad. Like I've left the world of blame and I'm leaving the world of extremes because relationships are happening in the gray. We're learning to live in the place where I'm not good or bad. I'm not right or wrong. I'm making the past right because I'm actually no longer that person anymore. And that was my wild experience when I started making my amends is I was literally amending behavior of a woman I no longer was. That's incredible. That means also that we don't have to wait till the 12th step of having had a spiritual awakening. The the spiritual awakening has taken hold. And this is where I get to see it because I go out, I read the script and God comes through and makes my amends for me. God is making these amends through me. And in some ways, I'm just the messenger for healing in the lives of these people. Whatever happens for them is great, but also God wants me to be healed. God wants me to see I'm not a piece of trash. God wants me to see I'm no longer that person. So of course, God wants me to go out and make the amends. So I get to feel that healing physically, mentally, spiritually. Elizabeth. Thanks, Kate. That reminds me of the amends to ourself. And by, I didn't know, obviously, I didn't know this, but looking back in hindsight, I can see that each amends I made was like a cracking of myself, the false self, the self I thought I was. And each experience I walk through, the fear, the discomfort, whatever arose, it allowed me to thaw or dismantle even further. Like in the fourth and fifth step, we lay down all these concepts that we have about ourselves in the world. And we see the delusion in them. Well, it with the amends process, it's the same. It's like taking ownership for all of that delusion that I thought was real and the way that I lived in the world. It's taking responsibility for that. Because even though it was delusion, it my actions were still harmful and to myself and to others. And so the amends process just is a more of a thawing out or cleaning out process. And on page 83, it gives us that prayer that I mentioned last week, asking each morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. These These are actual experiences for me to have. That's the living amends with my relationship with myself. 
I got to a point in sobriety where I had to begin to look at how am I behaving with myself? How am I thinking? How am I speaking? What am I saying? Right? Oh, you just, you're so stupid. Or, oh, I just, oh, I'm so forgetful. Or, oh, I'm this. Or, oh, how, what is my language? What, what is this habitual pattern? And, and slowly and, and continues to, to happen, you know, moment by moment, being able to wake up to the ways in which no longer serve me so that like Kate just shared, I can have a real experience because we're about to enter the world of the spirit. And our, we're, our whole function is to be, to grow an understanding of that world. I can't take my mental and physical baggage into the world of the spirit because the laws that work in the mental and physical world don't apply in the spiritual world. Completely different set of laws. And so if I'm trying to go into a spiritual world with mental and physical laws, I'm going to be booming, 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 bouncing up against myself and others all the time. So I have to lay all this stuff down. And it goes on further to say one of my favorite lines in the book, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And so how do I live this spiritual experience? Um, wrongs we can't fully right. Money. I'll just speak to that. My sponsor had me donate it. I, there was thousands of dollars I could not um, give back to the original people. And my sponsor was like, okay, well, let's just bring that into morning meditation. And then it came to me, she gave me some suggestions and it came to me on where to put that money. And for me, it was with some, some nuns on the Upper East Side that do this amazing work and they work with moms who um, are having babies and and want to keep the babies but don't have the means and so you know and and I also did service work like um, if I couldn't fully write an amend my we kind of came up with this two hour mark and so I would do two hours of service for each amend I don't know where that came from but my sponsor and I through conversation through prayer and meditation through asking God it it what was right for Elizabeth what God was calling me to do came arose. And so there are ways to make amends if we can't make them directly. My dad's story. Do we have, I don't think we really have time for that because it's one minute and we've got our meditation. So um, I won't give you any more personal stories. I will just say that before we're halfway through the promise tells us in the promises, the ninth step promises, it tells us that we will be amazed. And I will warn you that I was amazed. And so I stopped and I didn't continue my ninth step amends for a few years. I took a couple of year break because I was amazed. And what happens is I became unamazed very quickly. So I suggest full throttle. Go on, go ahead. Kate, you have anything before we do meditation? A great prayer that we recently learned uh, is God, please bring me to my next amends. And with that, uh, we're going to do what we typically do, which is we're going to meditate on a question. And I'll set a timer for five minutes. The question we're going to meditate on today is, are there any amends I'm not aware of? So um, 
your mind will try to answer the question. It'll come in and your brain will go off and you just bring the puppy back, right? Oh, just ask the question again. Try to rest in the question and then the instincts will arise. The answers will come and then we just rest in the question. Are there any amends I'm not aware of? Have a beautiful meditation.
We will now go to a show of hands. 